and thanks for listening to the Adulting is Easy podcast, where we make adulting easier by making money easier. This is your host, Lauren. I haven't asked you this in a little while. Please, guys, please rate, review, follow. Really, really helps the show. And joined today by CJ Smith. He and his wife own six units, including one short-term rental. He played two and a half years in the NFL, and he works in sales and is from Minnesota. Thanks for joining me, CJ. Lauren, thanks for having me. I'm excited. Been, uh, yeah, it's been a couple of years since we've been interacting on Twitter. So it's exciting to actually sit down and, and see you and actually speak with you. Yeah, I'm really excited. It feels like it's been a long time coming. And you know what? Maybe we needed those two years for you to get into short-term rental so we could break it down. <laughs> yeah, I've been influenced by you. So <laughs> Good. Well, we'll see how this goes then. Um <laughs> All right. And I do want to let everybody know that this is sponsored by Touch Stay Digital Guidebooks. Are you looking for operational gains and brand build? Meet the easy to use platform that transforms your docs, PDFs, and emails into branded information that guests read and engage with time and again. Touch Stay is in the business of helping hectic hosts and managers kill the time burn with simple technology, helping you to reinforce your brand through communication, skyrocket the guest experience, and create raving loyal fans. Their digital guest welcome books are rich with features, including guest email collection and first impressions feedback capture, plus free email and SMS guest memos, in addition to providing a single place of information and inspiration to get your guests excited for their stay, appreciative of your offering, and happy as Larry, as they say in the UK, to tell everyone about it. Guests love Touch Day digital guidebooks as much as hosts, even mentioning them in their reviews. Want to look good? Every time someone has a question, look up touchday.com and start a 14-day free trial today. So our goal for today is to make adulting easier for listeners by discussing a personal finance topic since managing money is a big part of adulting. So today, CJ, we're going to talk about short-term rentals. But first, you know, I got to ask this question. What was the NFL like? It was intense. <laughs> um, I was undrafted, so I was like uh, uh, basically like a walk-on kind of. Um, and I had to earn everything that I I got, and it was super intense. Just fighting for my job every day, stressed at the end of the day. <laughs> um, yeah, that, but it was fun though. The experiences, like meeting, um, you know, a bunch of different people, uh, going to a def- bunch of different places, um, going out to eat a lot, and having like my teammates pay for it was nice. Um, <laughs> and then being able to play in in London, fly over there with the team, you know. Um, so a lot of different experiences that I wouldn't really trade for anything. That's awesome. Was there anything about being in the NFL that you think has carried over into real estate investing? Yeah, of course. Uh, do the work. You got to show up every day. <laughs> you know, as you know, when you're like, I'm in the midst of it right now. And when you are in the midst of it and like doing renovations and stabilizing and trying to grow your portfolio, it's a lot to handle. Um, but you got to show up every day. The tenant calls with the problem. I'm managing my properties myself. Got to handle it you know? Um, so just show up. When did you decide to get into real estate investing? Is this something that's going on in the locker room? Everybody's like, Hey, I'm investing in real estate. And you're like, Oh, I definitely got to do that too. Or how did that go? If it was, I wasn't aware to it, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, it was after I was done playing and I had a little bit of money saved up. I was paying rent. The, the money was going down the drain. I'm like, I looked in the stocks, didn't know too much about them. I'm like, this is not going to do what I wanted to do for me. Um, so I was just like, started listening to podcasts. I got curious. Um, so I was listening to podcasts, one in particular, and I reached out to the guy. Um, he actually followed me right away. And he was like, okay, the first thing that you got to do is get rid of your, your living expenses. And you can do that by buying a duplex. Um, 
And when he told me that, it just made sense. Like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> Why not? Um, so I followed through like 90 days after that. My wife and I, we did it. And I'm like, wow, we're like actually paying half of what we did before. We actually weren't paying anything um, for rent. And that was a moment where I'm like, wow, I want to do this again and again and again as many times as I can. Um, I'm glad so, you yeah. said 90 days because I think that's about how long it takes to really, I, I don't know how much more you learn after 90 days of, especially if you're intense about it, if you're listening to a ton of podcasts, if you're reading books, if you're you know, meeting people online, if you're having networking conversations, I really think 90 days is a good amount of time to at least get enough knowledge to get started. What do you think about that? 100%. Um, I feel like there's only so many books you can read <laughs> before you actually have to take action. Um, so you're going to learn by taking action. And I'm a firm believer in that. So I agree. Well, so what you're describing is house hacking, where you live in part of the property, rent the rest of it out, right? Sorry, I got ahead of myself, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's okay. So uh, so you bought a duplex, you live on one side, you rent out the other, and that covered everything you said? Yeah, so we um, we actually rented out our basement on our side. Yep. Um, so that really helped us cover our whole mortgage, but we rented out the other side um, and then our basement. Okay. So you had two renters basically right yep. off the bat. Okay. Mm-hmm. And where did you go from there? Did you buy, I think you, I think we talked about this before in a live Twitter space where you bought, you did it again. Did you move into another place in house hack again? Yep. A year later we bought a triplex um, and we put one of the units on Airbnb. Why did you do that versus another long-term rental? Um, because the unit is like a studio. Um so if we just like rented it out to a long-term tenant, it'd probably do like, I don't know, 800 bucks a month. Um, but putting it as a short-term rental where we have a lot of like traveling nurses, um, just people coming in for work for uh, a few days to a couple of weeks or even months at a time. Uh, and they pay a higher you know rate than what it would be to rent out as a long-term rental. Um, so the numbers just worked. You know, we were already getting the mortgage covered with the other two units. So whatever we got with this unit, it was um, almost pure cash flow. So with the 90 days of learning about house hacking, you basically took steps to house hack. One year later, you house hacked again with a triplex. So that brought you to five units in just a couple of years. Yeah, yeah. Um, as you know, when you house hack, you know, those units multiply very quickly. Um, so if you do it, the more time you do it, the the more units going to get. Yeah, I mean, the number one expense, at least here in the United States, probably everywhere, is housing. So if you get rid of, I mean, if everybody out there just thinks about what are you spending on housing, imagine that goes away. So that's that's fantastic. But the other side of it, you still have that money coming in. So if you can take that money and you're investing it, it just it really starts to snowball pretty quickly. I, th- I don't think there's a better way to start than house hacking personally. Yeah, I mean, you you touched on it perfectly when you said that it eliminates your rental expense. And I don't know if people think about that enough. Uh, <laughs> you know, when you're trying to become financially independent, like I feel like the first step is getting rid of that expense, you know, and going from there um, just because it builds a solid foundation and, you know, it starts to build a snowball. Yep, exactly. I think people, I think everybody should start that way. And I think it's just a way of life for people where we think, yeah, I mean, we have to pay for housing. And mm-hmm. I think when you kind of break that mindset, the world kind of opens up for you. 100%. So getting into the short-term rental then, 
How was that versus long-term rental when you were just starting with that studio? Oh, it was stressful. <laughs> it, it was stressful. Um, just like from made a lot of mistakes. So we didn't like completely finish the unit when we started renting it out. And everybody says like finish everything that you you want to do. Didn't do that. Um, like the first guest was like complaining. There was like a bees like building a bee nest behind some of the siding. Um, <laughs> and so it was just like dealing with a bunch, you know, it's hospitality. Um, so like when you, especially when you're starting off, if you get uh, bad reviews, it's really tough, you know, it's tough to recover. So I'm um, getting bad reviews and having to deal with that and just dealing with a lot of complaints. Um, yeah. so it was really tough, but it, it, um, you know, those experiences helped out a lot. So you said it's like hospitality. Can you talk more about that? What that means? You're catering to somebody's needs. Um, so if they don't like something, it's on you to fix it. <laughs> I do agree with the getting things done. I mean, there's to some extent you could kick some things down the road in terms of like, let's say you like maybe need a new roof, but it's not leaking. I may not redo that right away, mm -hmm. but I would not make the assumption when you're opening a short-term rental that, okay, yeah, in a month or two, we're going to go back and do X, Y, Z thing that we thought we were going to do because you're rolling. Like once mm -hmm. you start rolling with the short-term rental and you've got bookings and you've got your system set up and you've got your cleaner going in and out, it is hard to stop block that coordinate with, especially if you need to hire people trying to get them there at exactly the time where there aren't any guests, it can be very difficult. So I agree. If there's just a couple more things you're trying to get done, do it before you launch. 100%. I agree with that. And you said you're managing your short-term rental yourself, both of them. Yeah. Um, both of them. It's, they both have different challenges. The one, because I have one in Minneapolis, so it's more of a city, city vibe. Um, completely different challenges than the one up north. Yeah, let's talk about the one up north. So what made you so going going from a studio short term rental in the city to this bigger place out on a lake a couple hours away from you? That's quite a leap. So talk to me a little bit about how you decided to do that and what that leap was like. Yeah, uh, just when we started to put the systems in place for this small studio, um, you know, it's like proof of concept. When you try something and you test it out and it works, you're like, OK, I can do this at a little bigger scale. So um, that was like what really got us interested in doing that. Um, and then also just I barely went to the property anyways. You know, it's the cleaners who are doing the majority of the work. So uh, why can't I do something that's a little bit further? Um that was the main reasons why we thought we could do that. Was that, did I answer the question? Yeah. So why a lake house? Why not get another oh. short-term rental duplex, triplex gotcha, uh, down gotcha. the street or something? Um, I do think part of it is my wife. It was more like a passion thing too, to just be like, okay, we have a lake house. We grew up because we grew up in Minnesota. So like I didn't have a lake house growing up or I didn't have a cabin growing up, but all my friends would go up to their cabin, you know, and enjoy it. So um, to be able to do that and, Rent, rent it out and make money and go up there too and bring our friends and family up there too is, is huge for us. Um, so just beyond the investment aspect of it, I think it, I know people say don't get like emotional about it, but it was kind of an emotional decision, truthfully. I talk about that all the time. I think that's part of it. I mean, with a long-term rental, you're never staying there because there's people there. But with a short-term rental, let's say, even if it's not like your vacation home, I will go up to my different units and stay there while I'm working on things. So, the, I mean, I think naturally it's, you're going to be a little bit emotionally attached to it. Also, 
you're, I think, a lot more rewarded for going above and beyond, for making little extra things, for doing extra touches, for improving a little bit more and making the place beautiful. So I, I think that's I think that's kind of natural. I'm not going to fault anybody for that. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> um, are you managing... Do you have management software or are you basically like doing this directly in like Airbnb and VRBO and, and other listing sites like that? Yeah. So when I was just doing the studio, I didn't have any software. Um, now I use OwnerS, um, which was is very clunky initially. And I was like, I hate this. Um, and I'm still learning. Obviously, I'm learning for a while, but it is it does help a lot. Um, I need to dive in it some more. But um OwnerRes is cool. So I'm using that. And then as far as just my long-term rentals, um, I use Zillow Rental Manager. Um, super simple for me. It does like the that the rental application. So like the background check and the credit check. It's not something that I have to do. Um, and it makes it easier for the renters. And so far, so good. I've had good renters off of there. So um, yeah, that's pretty much how I manage. I use OwnerRes too. What um what kind of hardware are you using in terms of like thermostats, locks, Wi-Fi, those kinds of things? Yeah, Wi-Fi. I'm using the the Google Mesh routers. Um, those have been super good. I'm using the Nest, the Google Nest for the thermist, which is amazing as well. And then the lock I'm using is the August Smart Lock. Okay. And I know I can integrate it with OwnerRes, so it just sends out new codes per guest. I just haven't did it yet. Yeah, that's what I do. I use actually Schlagen codes. And then the software that communicates with um, owner res is called remote lock. Gotcha. And with now I have 11 of these things. So I could not be setting locks left and right. The one <laughs> yeah. the, the one thing I haven't systematized properly is like the early check-ins and late checkouts. I still have to go in and like manually change the times right. for that. But, sure. And do you, do you offer that as like an additional fee? I don't. I just do it for free. Gotcha. I could do that. There's definitely a way in owner res to do that. And I've thought about that. But part of me is like, if it's ready, they can go in. And I don't yeah. get that. I don't. I get almost no late checkout requests. It's almost always early check-in. And my cleaner normally gets there at like 11 anyways. And my check-in is four. So letting people in at two or even three is really easy. And they're always really stoked. So I feel like I get like almost like I... Um, get off on the right foot with them immediately by going above and beyond. That's so smart. That's so smart. So now when it's time for them to leave that review, they're they're going to think twice about it and give you that five star, right? Exactly. Exactly <laughs> right. Because <laughs> um, those reviews are really important. Yep. Yep. All right. So tell me a little bit about your the guest differences for the studio versus the lake house. Yeah. Um, for the studio, I'm getting people who are going there for work. So getting traveling nurses, uh, people who work remotely and coming in, you know, town for a training or something like that. Um, and then for the lake house, I'm getting people who are going specifically for vacation. Um, so the opposite of, of the studio. What about like families and things? Is there anything that you need to be thinking about for if people are bringing kids or if they're bringing their elderly parents or something like that, that you have to think about for your lake house that you don't think about for the studio? Yeah. Um, even like pets, right? So at the oh, studio, yeah. it's it's a part of a It's a triplex and I have different guests there. So if somebody had a dog there and something happened between like the dog and somebody else, that could be a problem. So I don't allow pets there. Um, now at the lake house, I do allow pets um, because families are going up there. They have kids. So thinking about having kids as well, um, making it kid friendly and making it pet friendly. Um, 
and, you know, making it a family environment. That's interesting. That makes sense. So pets are a hot button topic. I know Mm -hmm. you haven't had the lake house for that long, but any issues with pets so far? No, everything's been smooth uh, so far. A lot of times, because I do have cameras on the outside of my short term rental, obviously. Um, And on the deck, they just keep their dogs out on the deck. You charge pet rent, pet fees? Yeah, um, which I'm still trying to work out. No owner, as I swear, like there's been a couple guests who just got over on me and didn't have to pay the pet fee. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I'm trying to pay a pet fee. I did that before. One of the listings I set up, I forgot to add the cleaning fee to it. I was like, Damn. oh no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm still working that out. So when you were setting up, let's let's think about your lake house. Is there anything that you would do differently? Like, is there any mistakes? Let's, let's say there's some folks out there that are about to be a short-term mental host for the first time. Is there any mistake that you made that you're like, oh, I would really love it for somebody if they didn't make this mistake? I would just say, like, have a system. Just have a system, you know. Um, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard to have, you know, a system in the beginning, obviously, if you're starting out and this is your first short-term rental, but do as much as you can to like learn what other people do and how they set up their short-term rentals and the process that they go through. So it can help speed up your process. Yeah. I would basically always assume even when you're creating your first one, that you're going to have a second one and document mm-hmm. everything. I wish I would have done that earlier on. Cause then I wouldn't have made that mistake. For example, when I set up that one listing and I didn't add the cleaning fee. You know? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. For sure. <laughs> so what's one thing someone can do today if they're just getting started down their real estate investing journey? Figure out a strategy. So figure out like what you want, why you want it, and how you're going to get it. Um, In real estate, there's many different ways to invest. Um, So just figure out a way that works best for you. I would say. So so don't get distracted by wholesaling, flipping, (laughs) house hacking, commercial real estate, right? Like pick something and stick with it, at least at first, right? Yeah, exactly. So you can narrow it down to like pick one thing or one strategy to start with. I totally agree. It's easy to get like this shiny object syndrome in real estate and keep bouncing around. But if you're looking at too many things, if you have sort of like too many leads or whatever, you're never going to be able to narrow it down and make a quick decision and, you know, act when you need to. So I totally agree with that. Yeah. And then I also think that it just creates like a bunch of different like misconceptions about real estate as well. Um, Like somebody can be talking about um, flipping a house and they can be comparing that to somebody who's talking about buying hold, you know? Um, So if you figure out a strategy for yourself, um, then you'll understand like the lingo and what certain people are talking about might be right for them, but it might be different for me because I'm doing something completely different. So it's not really a comparison. That's a great point. Is there anything else you want to add before we wrap up? Thanks for having me. It's, it's nice to actually, uh, finally finally meet you and get to chat with you. Yeah, definitely. And do you want to let people know how they can get in touch with you? Um, usually it's just my Twitter. Sometimes I go like I, I log off just because I don't want to be online and just chill and um and focus up. But usually just my Twitter, which is just CJ Smith underscore six. I know you left me for like months. <laughs> Sometimes I do that. I like to disconnect a little bit. No, no, no. It's it's good for you. I'm just giving you a hard yeah. time. So you guys can follow me on Twitter at adulting is easy on YouTube at adulting is easy as well. Instagram at adulting is easy real. 
And if you like this episode, you might also like episode 124 called NFL Players Side Hustle 2. Thanks again for listening, everybody. Hopefully, CJ and I have made adulting a little easier for you. (laughs) 